Hello, you're listening to The Real Voices of Happy Valley with Dave and Viv Boardman. Hope you've enjoyed the episode so far and if you feel like, uh, please leave comments on our Facebook page with the same name. Okay, and this next broadcast is one with Colin Lyle, fellow Scouser who runs Lyle's Bookshop in Todd, which is an amazing, magical space. He started up the UFO meet in the Golden Lion six years ago, and it's still going strong. Dave sat down with him in his bookshop in Water Street. Okay, I'm sitting in the studio in Todmorden with Colin Lyle of the fabulous Lyle's Bookshop in Todmorden. More of that later, Colin. Um, but we want to have a, have a chat about the uh, the monthly UFO meet that you have at yeah. the Golden Lion. Um, people have heard about Alan Godfrey and the mystery that happened 40 years ago. Um, but, yeah, so I don't want to dwell on that because that's, that's been well documented. Um, but 40 years on, there's a, a regular meeting about it. What, what keeps it going? It's, it's a combination of things, I think. It's, I mean, when it first started, it was a case of just see what happens. I mean, there's no agenda to it. It's not driven by a particular you know, purpose or direction. And it's not what I call a, a sort of train spotter's UFO group. You know, it's like I saw that metallic object and, you know, it's a, it's a BX417 type craft you know, and all this sort of thing. It's not like that. It's really, I think, one of the things that sustains it. It's about how people deal with having that kind of experience in their everyday right. lives. So the, the, the people that come that, that really facilitate um, the real discussion and a lot of the stuff that goes around the room is um, about how they deal with that event in their, in their lives and what it means to them. And if they've had repeated encounters of one kind or another, or just a random event that's just come out of the blue, you know. Um, and then from that, we really just go... What I do is I, I create a circle. Mm-hmm. And the circle's really important. There was a couple of times when we didn't have a circle and it was kind of... You mean physically getting yeah, physically people sitting in a yeah, circle, yeah. that's yeah. right. We make a, make a circle of chairs. And then people come along. There's people that come along for the first time just to listen. There's mm. people that come along for the first time with an itching desire to tell you what, what's happened, what they've seen, you know, what they've experienced. And then you get people who come along who've had several experiences and they come quite regularly. You get people who come regularly. So there's a kind of core of about a dozen people or so who, you know, fluctuate. Sometimes mm-hmm. they're there, sometimes they're not. So that that's nice because they've got a sort of sense of what the UFO meet is about. Now, the difficulty, you know, with what we're doing now is to define what it is is almost impossible. It's almost like being able to identify what the bright light in the sky was. <laughs> but it, and it is a UFO, unidentified being the first word. Or a UAP, as the Americans <laughs> yeah. want us now to believe. Oh, right. Um, so it really, the, the core of it is, it's about the people that come on the night. Mm. So whoever turns up on the night, that's the flavour of the gig. And then it goes around the room. People start talking about their experiences. Some people are there and they just need that little bit of confidence to tell their story and then they'll pitch in. Some people, as I say, just to listen. Um, and it kind of goes in all sorts of directions. It can move towards a spiritualist perspective. Mm-hmm. These are things that are to do with the divine, that are to do with some sort of religious significance, some sort of moving us into a higher awareness and a, and a higher level of, of consciousness. 
Some people talk about it in terms of secret craft, you know, military craft from that we make that's been back engineered and all that kind of stuff. There's people that reference, you know, um, people like Randall's, people like, I don't know, the, the sort of mainstream UFO theorists who've had books mm -hmm. out over the years, round about from the time of Godfrey onwards. Yeah. And um, so it all gets in the mix. Now, sometimes it'll move to more towards a spiritualist perspective. And for the last couple of months, we've had some quite strong spiritualist people. Mm -hmm. One who operates at the same frequency as God, which is useful to have in the room. Uh, we have people who have quite... Uh, so this is like God or God's work in mysterious ways. Working in mysterious ways, yeah. precisely. Well, he understands all that because yeah. he's operating on the frequency of seven. So we're all mortals on level three, and he, he's prepared to, mm -hmm. to share that story and, and his perspective. And we get people who claim that they've come from other planets, that they were, they were born on another planet and mm -hmm. they've been put into a human form. We've got people who've had a series of abduction experiences. Uh, we've had people, lots of people with different sightings. And the interesting thing is, because their perspectives are different and their personal lives are all different, first of all, you've got whatever this thing is. And, mm -hmm. and I put my hands up you know, after six years, I still don't know what they are. And in some ways, I don't want to know what they are because it would spoil the gig, you know. It's, so it's, being so out there, that's a bit like finding the Loch Ness monster. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I got it in a tank. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you've ruined it. Um, yeah. So I think uh, the fact that it's 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 one of those things that you can't define, you can't get an answer to, makes it all the more engaging, all the more you know people want to get involved and want to know about it to find out more and also to speculate and to come up with their pet theories and their ideas and their experiences. So what's interesting, after six years of hosting it, is you can then start to join some of the dots. So some of the people that come randomly one month, you know, say two years ago, mm -hmm. there's an element in their story that fits with something that came, somebody came last month. Oh, right, I So there's see. all those kind of things going on. And that's really interesting because from my perspective, it's given me a sense of uh, the bigger picture, a, bit, a sense of what, how these things might be connected and in what way they might be connected. So in, in a way, lots of people are seeing small bits of whatever might be happening. Absolutely, yeah. And you can, because you're there all the time, yeah. you can sort of put a few of them together. Absolutely, and I'd love to be able to get all the people mm. that have been together to be able to share their experiences in one big like sort of sports hall go. Mm. But of course they come and they go. So, you know, in some ways, maybe I should record what they say, but I don't want to do that in a way because it kind of spoils it. It makes it self-conscious, makes it difficult. They can't talk, you know, they, they kind of shut down. Yeah, I mean, I know doing things like this, that, you know, when you wave a microphone in front of somebody, yeah, yeah. it changes it what's it. going on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, and we get people, we had somebody last month, uh, and we've had people right from the early days that have, like, not talked about their experience for 30 years, 40 years. And they don't want to do it, talk about it, because they don't want to uh, suffer ridicule mm -hmm. or be considered crackers or, or frighten the kids, as one woman said. Yes, they, that's, a, that's, that's a very valid reason for not saying yeah, anything yeah, yeah. about so it. They've kept this story for all those years, but they feel safe enough because of the nature of the circle and the nature of the way it's, it's kind of facilitated to feel that they're safe to talk about it amongst people who've probably had similar experiences. I, I understand that, you know, if someone's had a, an experience that they've kept to themselves yeah. for a long time yeah. and they're sort of like releasing it to your small yeah. group of people, that, 
it, it may not be appropriate to repeat that one, no. you know, or some of those stories. But can you give us an example of some of the strange things um, that's happened to people? First of all, our people come from all over the world, mm-hmm. which is incredible, really. Yeah. Because uh, initially, I thought, well, it'd be people, local people, people from Manchester, you know, heard like you mm. say at the beginning, they heard about the Godfrey story and they're kind of intrigued about what goes on in Todd. I did feel initially that they felt that there might be a warehouse somewhere with like five UFOs in it in Todd's seat somewhere, you know, and I'd just you know, peer through the window. You know, proper tourists <laughs> <into them. laughs> um, Don't Don't give anyone an idea. I can just, I can just imagine somebody building some spacecraft well, somewhere in a workshop. Yeah, in here. Um, so uh, the people started coming from a bit further afield. So people from Bolton, people mm-hmm. from Manchester, um... Uh, from um, Halifax, Huddersfield, particularly the Scavenden Dam area where there's all sorts of strange UFO activity takes place. Really? And then the furthest was somebody came down who wanted to do a podcast, they were from Edinburgh. Mm-hmm. And then the month after, somebody from Berlin. So through social media, it, it's got known. Yeah. And through uh, an interview I did with um, Andy Kershaw, which went on YouTube. Yes, I've seen, I've from, seen all of that. From so, that, part of that yeah. it went. And then when um, the American Pentagon did their release in 20, 2021, was it? Yeah, but yeah, I think it was like a couple of years ago now. Um, that triggered a lot of um, mainstream media interest. Uh, and what did they release? They basically said that they, well, basically they released a number of uh, short bits of footage of what they call a UAP, an unidentified aerial phenomenon. Mm-hmm. Um, I could talk about that for a lot more because there's all sorts of hidden agendas around that, which we could talk about. Yeah. But, um, essentially, that brought it to the media attention and what they were trying to do was to sort of say, um, we should be more accepting of these, these events and that we should be able to talk about them. And that the press's attitude should change from ridicule and, you know, it being the funny story at the end of a news piece mm-hmm. to being something a bit that they should take a little bit more seriously. More inquisitive. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Let's have some investigative journalism. Exactly. So uh, The Guardian ran a piece um, in the... That was released. So I think it was in the June of 2021, 22. And they, they came over and did an interview. Mm-hmm. And then they they, really, they they put that in uh, in the paper, um, with a picture of me sat on the sat outside the shop, looking up at the sky, mm-hmm. with the, the old town hall building reflected in the glass. It was amazing, mm-hmm. really moving pictures. The best picture I've ever had of me. <laughs> If anybody wants, I get. That. I should hope so. They should <laughs> employ the best photographer. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, that then was followed by a Norwegian. Um, magazine which is the equivalent of the sunday times magazine in norway they came and did an interview the following day the sunday times did an interview and put that in their color supplement um i even got on jeremy vine for my sins all right um so there's a whole load of stuff that followed that and it was clear that the same draw that brings people to ufo meet brought them to ringing in Jeremy Vine. It was like, I've got this story. This thing happened to me. I can't explain what it is, but I'm telling you that I saw it. I tell you this is real for me. So you had a Jeremy Vine programme that was a sort of an extended version of what you do at the Golden Precisely. Lion. And it became like that, yes. And mm. it was really interesting because you had people who were debunkers and ridiculers and people that said, well, a lot of nonsense. Mm. But equally, you had people with the same passion 
saying this really did happen and I really did see this. So one of the ones that was interesting from that, um, because a couple of people wrote to me afterwards, and this, this one guy was a helicopter pilot, and he was in the Midlands, based in the Midlands, and it, it was a, a private helicopter mm-hmm. pilot, nothing to do with military or anything like that. And him and his mate used to go up and fly around fairly regularly. <clears throat> anyway, this afternoon, sunny afternoon, they went up in the helicopter, and then whilst they were up in the sky, this metallic object slowly passed them, mm-hmm. and then moved to be in front of them. And they then got into that kind of moment of, of, of ego and uh, adrenaline. Went, we'll go and chase it. And of course, there was no chance. They, they chased it for a little while. Yeah. And then off it went. And he has no idea what it was. Mm. It was wingless. It was metallic. It was a bit cigar-shaped. And it just passed him. And they looked and saw this thing going by and thinking, what the hell's that? And then, the interesting part of that was that um, he said to his uh, co-pilot, should I, you know, let uh, the ground know what we've seen. And he says, well, it depends if you want to keep your license. Mm. Because if you start talking about stuff like that, there's every chance they'll take your license off you. Mental health issues. that's where the UAP thing has has supposedly changed the landscape. Mm. So they're trying to encourage pilots like this guy to actually report it. Right. Now, that is contentious in itself. Whether they're trying to build a background for what their agenda is. In other words, they're trying to make it more commonplace so that they can facilitate what they want to do, which we can talk about later if you like. Or um, is it just quite genuinely the case that they do want to know? I don't know. It's a bit of a contentious one. I mean, one of the things I'm I'm fully aware of is that strange things happen. Sure. And a lot of people will immediately think that's... that's the Pentagon, that is. Yes. Um, and now maybe the Pentagon... Those same people might say, well, that's the Pentagon wanting us to think it's the Russians. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and those those attitudes, those Cold War attitudes will remain Definitely. so long as there's international well, rivalry. I think, I think the latest um, situation with regard to UAPs and the Pentagon release of what's happened since is to restore those Cold War um, insecurities. Mm. I think that's what it's all about. But... Rather than see it as a terrestrial issue, I think they're seeing it more as a, a galactic issue in the sense that I think it's about um, a sort of territorialising space. Yes. A militarising space. That's what this is all about. I must admit, I, I've thought that from the moment when I was about 13 and I saw Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin put an American flag on the moon. Exactly. <laughs> I went exactly. from being you know, a kid excited to That's thinking, right. it's not yours. <laughs> That's right, exactly. <laughs> um, but the thing is that, that um, they seem to be, we're in an age, an age of AI and being able to convince people of things that don't really happen mm. and haven't really happened to the point where we can fake everything now convincingly to the general public. And people are very wedded to the media. Mm-hmm. And they're very wedded and believe what's, what they're shown in the media. So I think there's a, there's a possibility that there's a, there's a creation here of something that's artificial, that's been created for a purpose, their, for their purpose, which is to do with the militarisation of space and the advancements of their technology. I think that's what it's all about. I don't see, they, they suggest, <coughs> to, you know, pointing the finger at Russia, pointing the finger at China, pointing the finger wherever, to give it that kind of patina of... Mm. of uh, reality of kind of like you know, authenticity. Oh, there's a possibility these could be. Mm-hmm. Not saying they are, but there's a possibility that they could be. You know, they're a bit more advanced technology. Um, but I'm not convinced about that. I think maybe that they are actually um, 
either artificially created or they're things that the um, American military have themselves and have used them to pepper mm -hmm. their story. And I think what's happening now, as you'll see, there's a whole series of releases got taken place now over the last six months, year, and they're all validating that perspective. What's really interesting is if you watch the latest RAF advert for recruitment. I was just thinking that's the one where, you know, so, so they're flying a, a, an RAF military thing, talking about stuff in space. Precisely, and they use and they use the term for um, the Earth as base. Mm. Never have I ever heard the term base referred to, other than in sci-fi. Yeah, I, I know. I, I saw that and I thought that's not the RAF my dad was in no, for no, fifteen absolutely years. Not, absolutely not. Mm. So you're then in a situation where you're thinking, okay, you've got the American Pentagon and now you've got this slick advert from the RAF. So there's obviously collusion going on. This is obviously an agenda that's been driven collectively. But so how does that work? Where's the mechanism to facilitate? The point of advertising and PR is to just shift people's attitudes yeah, a little it. bit. Advertising, obviously, shift in terms of right. buying our baked beans instead of theirs. Yeah, that's right. But it's it's shifting attitudes towards exactly. all sorts of things. But we must be really careful because uh, from the point of view of Todd Ufo and me, we're, we're the ground crew. We're the people that have mm. these experiences on the ground. But, you know, I, I took the dog for a walk yesterday afternoon and I saw this damn great metallic object hovering mm. over the football field. Now, that space, whatever yeah. comes after that, is interpretation yes. and speculation. Mm -hmm. So you can use the interpretation and speculation to create a fiction. Yes. But you, you have to not have that base event corrupt it. So what they've done is, very neatly, they've sliced a line between UFOs and UAPs. Mm. And UAPs are redefined UFOs, but in their within their criteria so Did, they can control the narrative just just remind us what uap is because uh, the term is new to a lot yeah, of people uh, unified aerial phenomena mm. now they speculate as i said before you know it's different different nations you know craft yeah. and they're a bit more advanced in technology but that's going back to the cold war mm. it's exactly the same debate the same argument yeah. the same justification but what's frightening is that there are something like 13 or 15 American government agencies, including space agencies, intelligence agencies, military, uh, internal intelligence agencies, all together in this. Mm -hmm. They brought all those groups together to do yeah. this project. Mm. So you've got to ask yourself why, where's the money coming from? Yes, I mean, it's 25 it? years, I think, since Tony Blair started talking about joined-up thinking, but, you know, yeah. who's doing that joined-up thinking? Is, <laughs> yeah, and it has a global, Certainly not our government. <laughs> no, and it has a global presence, mm. which is not just um, specific to America, it's a global yeah. influence. I mean, I remember reading a while ago that a lot of the stuff that was found in terms of retrieved craft, mm -hmm. if, you, if you're to believe and yeah. go down that route... Uh, ended up in America, even if it was Russian, even if it was Australian, even mm -hmm. if it was Spanish, it ended up in America. So how did they have that leverage to get that stuff? Yes. And where did they put it? Yes, and um, I think it was an Australian uh, newspaper at the weekend, there's some l very large, mysterious bit of some kind of craft yeah. washed up on a beach, I think it was uh, in the Indian Ocean, Australia. Um, you may have read it, you may be able to correct no, no, me on I, that. I don't know. Uh, and, you know, nobody seems to know well, these, what, the, what it is, what it's 
it looks like it's come off some kind of vehicle, right, okay. whether it's a sort of maritime or aerial vehicle. But these are the little stories that are popping up yeah. now that didn't used to pop up. Mm. This is them educating the population yeah. to accept the fact that there's the possibility that this could actually be true. Yeah. There's the, there's the eight foot, whatever it was for, alien guy in the backyard mm. or somebody in Kentucky or somewhere like yeah. that, or Texas or yeah. whatever. All these little bits. But all those little bits of narrative are retrospectively sourced. Because mm-hmm. all of those things have been talked about since the 40s. Yes. So it's not new news. Mm-hmm. It's utilising what is now accepted as kind of common knowledge, in a mm. sense, to facilitate a new narrative, a new a new direction. That's really interesting. And that's what we've got to be really yeah. careful of. Yeah. Okay, well, I mean, thanks for that. That's really interesting. The, the UFO meets itself. Yeah. Sorry, yeah, when, when, <laughs> when, does, when does it happen? Tell us right, when, when well, it UFO, happens. Todd, for me, is that always on the third week mm-hmm. of the month, on yeah. the Tuesday night. So it's the third Tuesday of every month. Right. and You've got to be careful with that, because sometimes you assume it's the 21st-ish, mm-hmm. and sometimes, like this month, it's the, uh, August is the 15th, so sometimes you'll miss mm-hmm. it. But there's usually a poster goes out, there's a WhatsApp group for it, all right. So if people want to get engaged with it and see some of the dialogue that goes on on WhatsApp, because it'd be quite interesting debates yeah. go on there and people are po- posting. So they can get your number off, <laughs> yeah. off the, yeah. your um, the Facebook page or the website for your shop. The best way to do it is through Lyle's Bookshop. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's in the public domain. They can just yeah. email me or, te- or whatever. Okay, which brings us on to the bookshop oh, okay. because uh, <laughs> I've spoken to you. I've spoken to you several times before, uh, and you know you've you've been interviewed by Gandhi, um, Kershaw, and all kinds of other people. Yeah. Uh, very rarely do you tell people how fantastic your bookshop is. I mean, I, you know, I just, it's not for me to uh, tell them; it's for them to tell me. Well, I mean, I've 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 only been in a couple of times. Yeah. Um, um, and I took, as you know, I took a friend in who was visiting from Australia. Okay. Uh, just uh, last week, week before, uh, and he was absolutely fell in love with the shop. Yeah, it's a fantastic. It, it was he, he bought he bought a um, book in French by was it Baudelaire? I think it was. Yeah. Published. You didn't know when. Couldn't find a date. So it's a long time ago. Yeah, so yeah. long ago yeah, they yeah. didn't even have a date yeah, yeah. on it. You yeah. know. Um, in, in a little bookshop in Todmorden, right, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a, which is a fantastic resource is, for the town and, and the region. I presume you get people travelling from yeah, a long yeah, way to your people, bookshop yeah, as well. Yeah, uh, I mean, the bookshop started really as a um, poacher-turned-gamekeeper. You know, it was something that I, I'd always... That's from being a kid, bookshops mm-hmm. race. You always go in a bookshop and, oh, yeah. there'd be always something that I'd, I'd buy, you know. Yeah. Uh, there'd be a little bit of pocket money, a nice spy book or whatever it was, mm-hmm. you know. And, you, and then I'd engage with that feel, that vibe that you get in bookshops. And um, I always thought it'd be great to, do, to actually have a bookshop at some point in my life. And then... Um, about 20, 25 years ago, 24 years ago, I thought, right, I was teaching pottery at the time, I was doing night classes in, in ceramics. Oh, yeah. And uh, I was talking to this guy, we were chatting, and I said, I'm thinking of opening a bookshop. And he said, how many books have you got? And I said, one. <laughs> so start from the ground up. Yes, would you like to buy me whole stock? <laughs> and it was literally a book, it was one of those um, Eagle comic era books mm. on jet aircraft. Yeah. Uh, ideal Christmas present for some kid in the late 50s he'd been over the moon with it and uh, anyway from there I uh, just used to go around the markets and just pick up books from here there and everywhere 
Yeah, and then there was like a big pile under the stairs at the house, mm -hmm. and then there was an even bigger pile, and then suddenly it just came from I've there. just had a, a look around the studio yeah, here. Yeah, <laughs> a, a big pile doesn't <laughs> do it justice. Um, so I got talking to a guy called Bob Lees in Oldham. He used to do a Twilight bookshop opening, which I thought was great because mm -hmm. people get off the train from work and they could drift into his bookshop and just unwind a little bit before they went home. And, is that, uh, is that the, the guy who used to do the quizzes? Yeah. He got, I know, I've met him a few times. He used to live in Oldham. That's right. He got barred out of loads of pubs from, you, just from, their, from their quiz machines. Yeah, well, that's how he got the money to do the bookshop. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, it just started from there. And then we opened 2000. I got some IKEA bookshelves. And then shortly after we got, we'd opened, a guy came along, a local guy inside. He said, jump it up, you build some more bookshelves upstairs. And he did all that, fitted it all out. Mm -hmm. It's fantastic. Really, really great job he did. Um, because we were only on the ground, ground floor initially the, the plan was to have a studio upstairs and the shop mm. downstairs mm. you can't pay anything if the door keeps opening and somebody's saying oh, yeah. have you got this book have you got that book yeah. so abandon that yeah. and then uh, it just grew from there and it's become the bookshop that I remember as a kid well not a kid so much maybe well, as you say you, you create your own bookshop you do you don't do. you? And, and, and then, it, it seems that just thinking about the shop and what you're saying about the UFO meet, you know, it, it, it just is what it is. There's no theme to it. No, you know, I'm not into that. I'll, I'll keep yeah, it open, keep whatever it comes, yeah. that's interesting. And that's, that's all that happened. And, I, I, you know, it just, it just built and built. And I mean, one of the things that I'm really fortunate with is it's, this area is a great area for people who read and our heads, you know, that are proper people around philosophy, around mm -hmm. religion, about spiritualism, about, you know, esoteric things, about nature, about, you know, self-sufficiency. You know, there's a whole raft of things that people are about in this area that bring in great books. Yes. Yeah, I mean, that's you know what's what I mean? great about the Valley. That's the point of these podcasts that me and yeah. Bev are doing. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, that everybody is, is an interesting person in one way or another. Precisely. And in some cases, like yourself, <laughs> in more than one way, oh, because okay. we haven't even, we're going to finish now, but we haven't yeah. even got on to you as an artist. All oh, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Might yeah, come yeah. back and talk to you again about that. Yeah, no problem. Yeah. You're more than but welcome. for now, anyway, thank you very much, no Colin. Problem. No problem. Right. Cheers. Thank you.